0: Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I have with me investor, founder, and author, Ron Bauer. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And today we're going to talk about how to raise capital in a digital world. Um, of course, the pandemic has caused everybody to shift everything online. This would also include raising money, where I remember back in the day I used to show up to networking events and shake the hands of influential investors and try to catch them in the elevator for that old elevator, elevator pitch. Um, but things have changed, right? So tell me what your uh, side of the story is in terms of what you've seen happen in the past couple of years from traditional r- fundraising into the way it is now.
1: You know, I've seen the business transform literally, you know, overnight during the pandemic, you know, whereas <laughs> before you would, making a you'd, you'd set up a meeting you'd fly in, meet someone you'd, you'd do a road show let's say let's say you were doing a, a pre-ipo raise or, or a capital raise for your company you would go and you'd either retain a broker or a banker or maybe you'd cold call people yourself and you'd set up a road show and you'd go and meet people and you'd have four or five meetings a day and maybe visit four or five cities so you'd you know knock out 20 30 meetings over a two-week period you know what happened during the pandemic is you just couldn't meet people and people didn't want to meet you. So all these virtual platforms, came, you know, started appearing like Zoom and Teams and Google Meets. You know, these for these these solutions that were meant really for meetings <clears throat> in companies, they were now being used by bankers and brokers and and hedge funds to set up investor roadshows. And so during the pandemic, you know, I I conducted a number of IPO roadshows through Zoom and wow. you know it was, it was fantastic the CEO of yeah. the company could basically do eight meetings a day they could knock out 50 meetings 40 to 50 meetings in a week what would normally take you a month to do in the pre-pandemic era now you could do it a lot quicker you know during the pandemic and you know what happened was is that people also didn't want to meet you you know these investors and institutions they you know they have a wife or husband, kids, parents, friends they don 't want someone traveling from the other side of the world after being on a plane with four hundred people and people are coughing and everyone 's sick, coming in their office now and coughing and shaking their hands and getting them sick and Now you know they 're out of commission for a week or two and it 's like a snowball effect
0: well it 's all very time consuming too i mean at, at one point in time, I was raising money for a startup and I remember doing what you said, having to travel around pull out the pitch, do the PowerPoint on the wall, and stand in front of a room. Now you can just do the PowerPoint, share your screen while you're talking to them. And it, it seems like it's just a lot more effective. And uh, like you said, you could knock out eight meetings in a in, in, in a short period of time. So that seems like a really good thing. But is there a downside to this whole thing?
1: Yeah. You know, the downside is always you lose the personal touch and it's, and some people say, okay, it's impersonal. You know, I miss the days when I would go now and I would, I would take someone out for breakfast or for lunch or for dinner Mm -hmm. and I would bond with them and I would have that personal relationship and something that happened. And some, you know, on the flip side of that is sometimes you, someone wants to invest in your company and you have them. And now you go out to lunch and you say something you weren't supposed to say. And they're like, right. hold on a second. You know, maybe I made a mistake and I don't want to invest. So it's yeah. the good side and the bad side. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think being able to, do, to conduct, you know, virtual roadshows, virtual capital raises and see – you know multiple people you're you can kiss a lot more frogs virtually than you can physically face to face so i true. think you have more shots on goal by doing it that way it just makes it a little bit more you know a little easier to raise capital and it opens up it also allows you to be in you know four countries or or ten cities in one day where you know you couldn't you just can't do that it's it's virtually impossible
0: yep i agree So let's talk about entrepreneurs who are watching or listening to this and they have an idea, right? And everybody out there sees the news of, you know, this company raises $100 million and this company sold to this company for a billion dollars. And they see these big numbers and they think their idea is the next big one. But the reality is we know it's a very, very, very small percentage of startups that raise money and or exit. What is your advice to someone listening on how they can take their idea, launch the startup, and then raise money from there? What are the the key takeaways?
1: Key takeaways that I have, I I tell people always have a roadmap or a plan in place. You know, make sure, be focused. You know, I tell people be really good at one thing. Don't try and be, you know, uh, a jack-of-all, trade master of nothing. It's better for you to be really good at one thing. You can always fill in the missing parts. So have a plan, have a roadmap. Know, you know, who your audience is, what you're, you know, focus on, on small wins rather than, you know, Matt, you know, try to, try to hit single, lots of singles and doubles rather than swing yeah. for the fences. That's what I tell people. So, you know, start with a proof, you know, create something that you think that you're really good at and that works. Go through a proof of concept, get someone to pay for what you're, what you're selling or, or what you're providing. And then you can always you know, scale it up and amplify it on a bigger scale. Too many people, they they right away everybody wants to have, you know, a massive, huge success, swing for the fences, and then they just, you know, they fall on their face. And so you want you want to crawl before you walk, you want to walk before you run. And let's,
0: let's say there's a consumer app, because there's a lot of people out there building, you know, maybe they don't have a product for sale, but they have an app they built or a new platform. What would you consider to be what what an investor would find and, you know, enticing to them in terms of a user base. Uh, is that still a thing? I mean, I know back in the totally day.
1: Totally a thing. I mean, I have a deal right now. It's a SaaS platform, fintech SaaS platform. They've got 3,000 users in their proof of concept. And I said to the guy, I said, look, give it away for free for a year. You know, he switched his business model from B to C to B to B. So he's focusing on companies now that have, you know, call it, you know, anywhere from a 100 to to 50,000 employees. That's a sort of sweet spot. I said, give it to them away. Give it to them free for a year. Get them used to the product. How do you like a freemium model where it just, they, they, they're reliant on what you're providing. They like using it. And even if only 10% of the people stay on afterwards, it's still a big win for you. Like, for example, if you're charging people $4 a month, which is, you know, let's say, you know, even you discount it to $40 a year and you have a million people using it for free and then. All of a sudden you might only have a hundred thousand people paying you that. That's still good money. It's still good yeah. money.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So what if, uh, you're, you're not a freemium. What if you are just like a consumer, like not B2B, but like consumer based app, like let's say like a, a news Snapchat or TikTok or some, some kind of new consumer app that could potentially really go big, but it's all about that user base. Is that something that still entices investors? And so how would a founder Get out there and pitch investors on something like that.
1: I think the first and for the most important thing, first of all, is to create a buzz around your business. So it's very important for you. I tell people to have a massive social media presence. It's really important for you to set up, you know, the key channels, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn. All you over. know, build a presence find a way to grow an audience, build a community around you. And then you have that community to go and market to first market to your community first and keep growing and enhancing Mm -hmm. it. Use influencers. You know, it's, it's a valid way. Find people that are, you know, lead authorities or, or experts in your area and get them on board, you know, have them in there and then go to your community, get people putting up reviews. You know, you need to be creative and bootstrap. I think it's, you know, people need to come up with, you know, a sophisticated and, and innovative guerrilla marketing tactics if you don't have the capital. And I think what investors like is they want to see people that are creative, that are dynamic, that are disruptive, and that are thinking outside of the box. That's really what I look for. I look for that myself, and I know everyone else is looking for it.
0: I agree 100%. Yeah, the community aspect of a startup, it's like, well, we have 100,000 followers on Instagram. They like what we're doing, so maybe you should invest. How do you protect your idea if you're, if you are doing that? Because now you're putting out videos, you're putting out content, you're letting people see what you do before you raise money where another company might have a hundred million in the bank and they can just, you know, knock you off real quick. How do you protect yourself?
1: I mean, I tell people always that, you know, if you have something that is tangible or that has value, find a way to to patent it or to trademark it. You need to go and speak right away. I tell people right away when you have an idea, go and spend the money, you'd be surprised so many people go and have this amazing idea and then they 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 go and they launch a business and then they realize, oh, someone else has filed a trademark or a patent on it. And now I've got to change the name of my company or I've got to change what I'm doing. And so go and pay, you know, it's like a couple of grand today to pay, a you know, trademark and patent attorney to see if there's a way for you. And then you can pay them even a little bit more to actually write the patent application for you and trademark. And I think that's vital. Your first, your first, stop and your first shop that you should visit should be an amazing, you know, trademark and patent attorney at the same time of when you're incorporating your company.
0: I agree. Uh, We trademarked uh, our startup before we even launched because we wanted to make sure we had the name. So um, that was important for us. Now, raising money is always difficult and time consuming for founders, especially when they're trying to build a product. What are some of the, the methodologies or the tactics that you would say are best suited for entrepreneurs to even get a hold of investors in the first place, because a lot of these investors have websites that say, sure, pitch us your idea, but you know, they're getting a thousand a day and they're, they're probably not going to listen to you. So how do you, I know you need a connection to talk to them, but what, if you don't have any connections, how do you get a hold of these people?
1: I think you can just cold call people and email them. You know, when I was younger and I started out in business, don't be afraid of rejection. You know, if you're going to, for, for nine times you're going to get rejected, you're going to have one person say yes and give you, give you an, a meeting. And that meeting, you know, if you call a hundred people and you have 10 meetings, you're going to, you know, you'll close one or two of them. It's just, you know, Murphy's law. And so I think it's really important to you as a founder of a company, you're all, you need to always be raising money and always be selling. So you've got to be out there pitching yourself, selling yourself looking for capital for your company in every in every way, in every manner, whether it's emailing, you know, portals, whether it's going to investment clubs, whether it's pitching hedge funds, whether it's figuring out who else is in your space in your sector, you know, on PitchBook or on Crunchy and figuring out, you know, who's actually who's investing and who's writing checks today. And go to those people and say, this is what sets us apart. It makes us different. We know you invested in the sector and they might say, you know what? We have, we're only a room for one company in that sector. Thank you very much. And that's okay. But you know, they might say, Oh, we love this sector and we'd love to meet with you. And then now you have an opportunity there. So I think it's really important to be, to always be selling and always be raising money for your business, even when you have money. The best time actually, I tell that's this, the you best time money. to raise money is right after you've raised money right. because people always want something that they can't have. So if you've just closed a two, three, four, five million dollar round, you know, like we did an IPO for one of my one of the, my portfolio companies, we raised twenty seven point six million in the IPO. Wow. The company was loaded with cash; they have like twenty three in the bank after fees and everything, Jeez. and the stock was bananas. And we were offered another thirty point six million. <laughs> and my partner said, "Don't take the money. What are you crazy?" And I said to the management, to the CEO, I said, well, "You'll remember this day, okay? Because the day will come. Right now, the market loves you, and you're a hero." But you will be a zero, and you will fall out of favor. And better for you to fall out of favor with fifty million dollars in the bank right. rather than twenty-four million dollars in the bank. Sure. And so we took the money, and then all of a sudden, warrants converted for another eleven million. So now this company raised close to seventy million dollars wow. within a couple months of its IPO today. in look what look, you know. Fast forward fourteen months, we're in one of the shittiest economies right now. On the yes, market. we are. And this guy's sitting on forty million dollars cash, and most companies in his place are sitting on. Are $40 struggling, million cash. yeah. So he's you know a hero all of a sudden.
0: That's amazing. That's a great story. And and I I always tell people fundraising is a nonstop thing too. Like you raise say a seed round of five hundred thousand, you should immediately be looking for that Series A of three to five million right after, because you're exactly. going to be having a burn rate too. You're you're going to be running out of money. You need to be forecasting ahead of time. So I totally agree. Now, you mentioned something else that was interesting to me. You mentioned that. Um, This was before you said something about um, being an expert in the industry that you're in or learning more about it and maybe your competitors. Give me a little bit more information about that. How does how does a founder really understand their market, their industry and learn about their competitors besides just a simple Google search?
1: Yeah, you but know, I mean, I think, I think, for example, so let's say when I, what I meant to say is that if you're a scientist, if you work in a lab at a university as an academic for 10 years, and you're looking for the cure for cancer, and you've got this new innovative, you know, technology, whether it's a car or tea or whatever type of uh, technology, and that's your specialty, and you want to set up a business around that, don't be afraid to go and set that business up and be the CEO, you can find a CFO, you can find a CEO, you can find people to do the roles that you don't understand. And you know, finding competitors and finding it, it's easy to do research today. You know, to you know, when when I when I started in this business, the, the internet it was you know, I didn't have an email address, and the internet didn't exist <laughs> until it was a university. Yeah. And then you know, the the capabilities of finding information in the internet when I started in this business, you know, twenty years ago, was way different than it is today. Today, you have so much information at your fingertips between you know things like PitchBook, Apollo, etc. All these you know information portals where you can go and type in a few keywords you know i can type in now founder fintech philadelphia or whatever new york and whatever and all of a sudden 2000 names oh, pop up with their email their website their their address how much money they raised who mm-hmm. were their investors i mean you don't even you can do it's research. research it's insane right the technology that's out there that did not exist the certainly the, the data driven capabilities
0: that's a good point. So tell us uh, how we can find out more about what you do and your business and how people can reach out to you.
1: You can go to my website, uh, www.thescapital.com. You can go to my socials. You can reach out to me on social media. My Instagram's, you know, at Bauer 888 It's the same handle for my, my Twitter as well and my TikTok. And, you know, I'm happy for... Um, founders and disruptors to reach out to me off my website and someone from my team will will get in contact and we'd love to hear great ideas and and help founders and help uh, entrepreneurs out.
0: Sounds great. Thanks, Ron, for coming. Appreciate it. And as always, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at JasonSherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.